Joshua chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 8. Then Pastor Ron is fired up and ready to go and going to give the message. So here we go. Joshua chapter 23, New Living Translation. I'll read verse 1, 3, 5, 7. You'll read 2, 4, 6, and 8. The years passed, and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies, Joshua, who was now very old. You've seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. This land will be yours, for the Lord your God will himself drive out all the people living there now. You will take possession of their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. Make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. And Father, thank you that we're here, and thank you that we get to open um, the God-breathed Scripture that is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I pray that you would speak to us and we would hear the voice of God through the Word of God to the people of God. Lord, I pray that your word would come alive in our hearts. We pray your hand uh, and blessing over Pastor Ron as he comes. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed saying? I just want to say by way of introduction, Pastor Ron uh, has his doctorate in theology, his double master's in theology, reads through the Bible many times a year, and he's a teacher. He does a, uh, a devotional, which goes out to how many people? How many? 5,000 people that he does so throughout the whole world, pastors and, and church leaders all over the world, uh, get his, his devotionals, uh, 5,000 a week. And so um, Pastor Ron was a lead pastor for, for 33 years, uh, two churches in Orange and then in Riverside. Uh, he does missions, uh, is on many boards, uh, and uh, he's a full-time chaplain at, at a school here uh, in Redlands. And so Pastor Ron is very busy. Uh, all that to say he's a modern-day Caleb. I'm talking about Caleb. Ron is the real deal. Caleb was 85. I think Ron's 83. Okay, so he's almost Caleb's age. So when you're hearing, so you're hearing, um, uh, we, we saw that Caleb made reference, uh, made reference to his age there, and so Ron would do the same thing. And so, uh, and though he's young at heart, although he's growing uh, older in his body, but he's fired up and ready to go. So would you please give a warm welcome to Pastor Ron Williams. Uh, yeah, I'm fired up here. <laughs> About as fired up as I can get. <clears throat> anyway, I want to talk to you this morning about the Commander-in-Chief. Uh, in the Scriptures, and particularly in our study thus far in the book of Joshua, you're familiar with the name Moses and how he was the commander-in-chief that led the Israelites uh, out of Egypt. And then for 40 years, uh, it was uh, uh, Moses who led the people through the wilderness. And the uh, mighty hand of God rested upon him. Tragically, the people that he led uh, had a mind of their own. And uh, the generation that was uh, 20 years and older, because of their rebellion and the lack of surrender to God and to their commander-in-chief, which would have been Moses, 
they perished in the wilderness, sadly. God, though, being gracious and kind, did what they feared. They feared the loss of their children. And uh, God uh, had something in store for their children, even when their parents were rebels at heart. And so Joshua, also commander-in-chief, led uh, the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land of promise. What uh, the uh, older generation forfeited, the younger generation gained. They had an inheritance in the land. The third commander-in-chief and the ultimate commander-in-chief is a person that you know quite well. And in the Old Testament, uh, Joshua's name is uh, Hajua, uh, almost like Hosea, but Hosua. <laughs> the New Testament, uh, Jesus then becomes uh, Yeshua. That's what I'm trying to get out. <laughs> so he becomes Yeshua. So Joshua in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, What's so important, though, is the meaning of their names. Both names mean that God is salvation. And so uh, you tie together Moses, Joshua, and Jesus as commanders-in-chief and how they led the people of God. And what I want us to see as we look at this text is uh, uh, what it, uh, how does one, how does one, uh, appropriately respond to the commander-in-chief. Now, we in this, know in the story of, of, of Moses, the people rebelled against him, and they suffered the consequences thereof. Under the leadership of Joshua, uh, they really, uh, that generation really thrived in the new land, and they won great victories, and they settled the land. Tragically, though, after the departure of Joshua and that generation, as you look through the historical books of the Bible, the next book in line is the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, there is a cycle that's repeated over and over again. And it is a cycle in which the people sin. And then as a consequence of their sin, they suffer. And in their sufferings, they call upon the Lord. They supplicate, if you will. And then God raised up a Savior. And that cycle repeated itself over and over and over again. And it has re repeated itself even to our day and time. That our sins uh, deprive us of the rich blessings of the Lord. And... Uh, not only are we deprived of his rich blessings, but there's a consequence. The scripture says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there is that, that, uh, that process. Uh, many of us in this room uh, came to a deeper relationship with him because of the sufferings in our lives. Some of it was brought up brought upon us because of our own rebellions, our own lifestyles that we've chosen. Others, we really didn't have anything to do with it. It may have been the families into which we were birthed. 
It may be the circumstances around us, but we suffer in this life uh, either because of our actions or the actions of somebody else, and suffering is part and parcel of this life. We don't escape it. There's not anyone that goes through this life without intense suffering. And what do we do? We have the high privilege of calling upon the name of the Lord. And it's he who hears our cry. It's he who lifts us up. And so uh, uh, let's consider then a comparison between Joshua and Jesus. And so there are really three thoughts that I want to share with you as to how shall we respond. One, I, I would say we need, to, we need to honor our Joshua. We need to honor Jesus. We need to honor our Joshua, our Jesus, for who he is and what he has done for us. Now, if you uh, contrast the two, Joshua was a wonderful leader. In fact, of all the leaders in the Scripture, he stands out in that there are no really major black marks against his life. We know that uh, uh, Abraham, uh, he was uh, kind of hid behind his wife's skirts. Uh, say you're my sister. Uh, he was not exactly courageous. Uh, there were times when he was not. Isaac followed in his father's footsteps and did the very same thing that his dad did. Uh, Jacob was a rascal. You know his story. Cheats his brother out of his birthright and has a hard time with the truth. And then we get to Moses. Moses spoke face-to-face with God, and yet he had a checkered history, didn't he, because he was a murderer, had an anger problem. He had a real rage problem. Moses was a rageaholic. And then you think of David, king in Israel, what a remarkable servant of the Lord was. In fact, God says of him he was a man after God's own heart. But what would we know about David? He was an adulterer. And he was a murderer. But we have Joshua and we have Caleb. Now, I don't know about their private lives, but God didn't rat them out. (laughs) He may have the other guy, and the cool thing about God is he always tells it like it is. Uh, You know, know, if we we were writing the story, we want the the heroes to look a little little cleaner, a little bit better. So uh, what did Joshua do? I think uh, he was worthy of honor because he set a great example. He was strong. He was courageous. He was a warrior. He was Moses' aide de camp. He was, he was the, the general in uh, Moses' army. It was uh, uh, Joshua who was invited up on Mount Sinai, spent some time with Moses, got to know God in a very special way, very special man. And so it was right and good that that generation that Joshua led into the land would honor him, pay respect to him. Let's talk about our Joshua. Let's talk about Jesus. Uh, 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 The book of Hebrews talks about uh, Jesus being better than. And then there's some very important names in there, better than the angels, better than Moses. And then he says, By inference, he's better than Joshua because of the rest uh, that Jesus provided as opposed 
to that of Joshua. So let, let me read just a bit here, beginning in the first verse there of the 23rd chapter. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest, now notice that word rest, from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and he said to them, I am very old. And he was. He was 110. You yourself have seen everything that the Lord your God has done to all the nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the West. Focusing in on this word rest, it becomes very important in Scripture. As it pertains to Joshua, it, it was a rest uh, from the strivings of warfare. It was a rest from the wilderness wanderings but was primarily a, a temporal rest. It, it, it was more physical uh, and time-related. The rest that Jesus brings as an eternal rest. We rest in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the generation uh, that followed Joshua had to come at least three times a year, the males did, and they had to offer up sacrifices and uh, uh, different uh, offerings for their sins. And this was repeated year in and year out until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture says that once in the end of the age, Jesus was offered, offered up as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, never to be offered up again. And because of that sacrifice, our sins have been forgiven when we put our faith in him. Joshua's uh, uh, ministry primarily required do and live. Jesus' ministry was believe and live. Uh, Jesus' ministry was about uh, the indwelling presence of God's spirit that works both in you to will and to do his good pleasure. In Jesus, we become not the tabernacle that was the tent in the wilderness, nor the building that was in Jerusalem, but we become the habitation of God. God lives in us. And we have this incredible invitation by Jesus to come boldly to the throne of grace that you might find strength and help in the time of need. I'm sitting here right now because God has given me strength. I passed out up here this morning. And then I am now... Uh, I have been uh, given the best possible uh, medical advice you could have because there was like 15 people told me what I needed to do. I needed to eat a banana <laughs> because I had dehydrated. I needed to drink more water. I needed to have some orange juice. So obediently, I did what they told me, and I'm feeling pretty good right now, Pastor. Uh, the mind's a little clearer. <laughs> And I had one of the brothers come to me who was a missionary visiting today from, uh, 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 I think, uh, someplace in Europe. Wonderful man, uh, son of our a family, our, the Higgins family. He, he came up to me afterwards and he says, Pastor, read on down in that text and we'll do it this morning. He says, you've got to be strong and courageous and you need to preach again. 
And um, about that time, I was, uh, I don't think I was in full accord with his prophetic word. But I sure am now because there's a clarity that comes. There's an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when I sat down there, I started to weep. I said to myself, that's the last time you'll ever try that. You're old. Your body's wearing out. It's not wise. And I said, uh, preaching is very, very seductive. (laughs) When you're preaching or teaching and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, there's an, an affinity with God that you experience, but it's with you. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been nurtured by that for 60 years now, and the thought of stepping back from that just broke my heart. But you know God is so good. Isn't he good? He's good all of the time, and he's so faithful to us, and I'm so delighted I feel good enough to talk to you some more. So let me do that. <laughs> Let's talk about the privilege of what it is to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I struggled. I, I, I got my outline, and I knew what I was going to say in the middle of the week, but I, I couldn't find a, a key that would unlock it. I, I needed a word. And so at 4.30 this morning, I, I was up, and just as I uh, awakened, the word surrender came to my mind. And uh, during the first service, uh, taps, you prayed, and you used the word surrender. And I thought, oh, yeah, that, that's right. I did hear from you, Lord. Because the key to the people in Joshua's day was that they surrendered to his leadership. The key to a vibrant Christian life in our day and time and uh, 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 thriving on the life that God has for us, again, it's surrender. It's the Jesus statement, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's the great work of God's grace in your heart. And it's that which brings highest, highest honor to Jesus. I found myself singing this morning, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord. Oh, what a song. I found myself in my preparation. Uh, It kept going over in my mind. Those wonderful hymns and choruses we sing, and uh, I I thought about, uh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pastor, just the people of his pastor. That's what Jesus has done for us, and that's why we honor him, we praise him, and that's what we're going to do for him all eternity. So we honor our Joshua for who he is and what he has done. Now, a second thought, let me develop it a little bit. Uh, It's important that we hear him. We listen carefully to what he has to say about you and me and God. And he speaks both regarding the present and the future. So look at the, the fifth verse. 
The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you, and you will take possession of their lamb as the Lord your God promised. And that was a process. And Israel's real failure was they never uh, drove out all the inhabitants of the land. Possibly why we falter in our walk with the Lord and fail to enjoy the benefits of his grace is that we won't drive out the inhabitants. We rationalize. We rationalize a lot. Uh, How about (laughs) the impediment just to gathering? Life has really changed since I was a boy in Sunday school. Sunday used to be a very special day in which God was honored. Uh, But over the passage of the 84 years that I've been alive now, the, the, uh, the sacredness of a day in seven seems to have gone by the board. And I'm thinking of what the writer of Hebrews said in the 10th chapter. And he has about three or four statements about let us, let us. And then he says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And the more as the day approaches. For me, I guess it's just a matter of habit. It's a matter something's been just kind of ground into me. Sunday is the Lord's Day. Now, that doesn't mean I can't have fun on the Lord's Day. When I was a boy growing up, you couldn't read the funny papers on the Lord's Day. You couldn't go to the park and play football on the Lord's Day. It was a sacred day. I'm not so sure that's what the Lord's Day was designed to be. I think it was a day of rest, not taking a nap, but the cessation from doing what you normally do to a day in seven when you do something really different, a day in which your spirit is renewed because you rest, and your body uh, renews itself because you've had a time out, you've had a day off, and it builds you up physically, and it builds you up spiritually that day in seven. And so I urge you as an old man, (laughs) I would say to you, rekindle in your heart the day of worship. Make it an offering unto the Lord. You know why I like to come set through through services? I enjoy the worship, and I enjoy Pastor Rod. We have a wonderful pastor and leader but I like you. <laughs> and if I don't come to both services, I don't get to see some of you. And you're, you're my family. You really are. My children live in uh, uh, Arizona and, and Nevada, and my grandkids have grown up, and they flew the coop, and they're someplace today. I don't know where necessarily, but they're out doing whatever grandkids do. But you're here. You're my family. And we... We worship together, we fellowship together, but we also hurt together. We come together when we're in intense pain because life is beating us up. And we come together and we talk with one another and then something happens inside. And it's like something quickens inside because God is here. God is in this place as we assemble in his name. The Savior is here. And something happens wonderful inside. Joshua Joshua couldn't do that for the people. 
He didn't have that ability. He was just merely man. But we worship the Son of God, who is both God and man. We have two women. Uh, let me back this up. I spoke with two different women this week. As a pastor said, in addition to my work as a, a, a full-time professor at the college where I work, uh, I'm also the chaplain of the school. And I've kind of become the HR guy, human resource guy for the staff. And every now and then, somebody will come in, and they'll close the door behind me, and they'll say, do you got a minute? And I'd like, I always got a minute. I like to talk to people. And one lady came, and she started talking to me. And uh, she's been, I'd call her a senior saint. She's been walking with the Lord for a long, long, long time. She comes of from a family that has really served the Lord. And I would say that she's a brilliant woman, really, really smart. I would also say she's very talented. I've heard her sing. I've heard her play her instrument. She is a talented woman. She has a problem, however. She is a perfectionist. And in her perfection, uh, being a perfectionist, she becomes judgmental of others. And so she's kind of become the scorekeeper. Uh, sometimes where you work, there are scorekeepers. And they're usually those achievers. I mean, they go above and beyond uh, the duty, their duty, and they expect everybody else to operate to that same dimension. And as a result of her being judgmental and a perfectionist, she has those moments when she really gets upset. And she's upset with what others are doing. So... We had the talk, and I reminded her of her position in Christ, that she was a person that had been serving the Lord for a long, long time, and she was taking to herself a burden that didn't belong to her. It belongs to Jesus. And I reminded her of what I'll remind you of was the invitation of Jesus to come unto me all you that are heavy laden, uh, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For what? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We cast all of our cares on him. And so we talked it out, and when she left, there was a smile on her face, and we had a good talk. But what I believe she has to learn to do is back off from being a perfectionist. She wants to do that for herself. God put that in her. Go for it. But give up the judgmentalism and stop being the scorekeeper. Let God be the scorekeeper. All right? And I, and, and I, I think when I look at this, uh, this text, uh, I, I start to think about uh, what God is doing in me, what God is doing in you. He's at work there. Uh, and Almost the polar opposite. A day or two uh, before that, a person came in to see me. And this is a much younger woman. She has two children. She's a single mom. And she's really struggled with her walk with the Lord. But she has a wonderful heart. 
for God, just as the older woman has. Her issues are different, though. She carries the burden of raising children in, in this world. You carry that burden, don't you? You younger folks, you, you've got kids. We older folks, we got grandkids. And we never get out of the kid business, do we? <laughs> and where does, what makes our hearts hurt is when our kids hurt. When our kids are struggling, uh, it, it hurts us. And she just had, uh, we had an event, and this gal had done a wonderful job with it. And she came into my office, and I could tell by her face she was just distressed. And I said, close the door, sit down. So we talked. And I said, God wants you to learn how to put your burdens off on him. Your stress arises because you're carrying more than you're designed to carry. Anxiety and stress comes from overload. And Jesus invites us to cast all of our cares on him, our hurts, our pains, our victories. We share them with him because he lives in us, and we can hear his voice. We can hear what he says to us. I heard his voice this morning when he said, the word you need is surrender. And I bring you back to that word. You need to surrender your ability and your drive to fix everybody. I do. You have to surrender your desire to, you know, just, you can do it. All you've done is made yourself to be God, and that's a pretty big load. And we all do it. God didn't call us to be fixers. God called us to surrender our lives to him and to walk in fellowship with him. And when we're walking in fellowship with him, then the opportunity come along to say a timely word, to encourage. But it isn't your job to fix anybody else. And you can't even fix yourself. That was the problem with Moses and uh, Joshua and that whole uh, Old Testament history. Until the coming of Christ, uh, they knew the right thing to do, but they weren't empowered to do it. And they needed to have a new experience. Jesus needed to appear. And so let me bring this last point home to you. And this is, these are the words that I was commissioned, I was uh, 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 given by the missionary that was here this morning. Verse 6, be very strong. Now, my problem with that is that over the course of my life, I've been reasonably strong in my, my trade. Uh, I was athletic, and, and I have always had a strong body. Now, it, in a physical way, uh, I would say at times I was a strong, weak man because I was weak in my spiritual walk with the Lord and strong in my physical strength. The reverse is that. And that, that's, that's been reversed. Uh, I, I, don't, uh, I don't think of myself as being strong in body anymore. I suppose for an 83, 4-year-old guy, I'm okay. But, you know, I can't run a race. Uh, when I try to jump up and touch the ceiling, my feet don't come off the ground. Uh, I have a hard time standing on one leg. You know, my friend says to me, I say, how are you doing, Mike? He says, well, I can still stand in the middle of the room and put my pants on. I cannot stand in the middle of the room and put my pants on. I either have to sit down or put one hand against the wall. 
I don't have the balance. I'm not young. I'm not strong like I was. But I am strong in the strength of the Lord. I'm powerful in the strength of the Lord because I have a different spirit, and you have a different spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of God who lives in us. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ indwells us. And the responsibility then comes to this third point, and that is to heed him and do as he says, and do not deviate from his commands. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the name of their gods or swear by them. You must serve them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. As I kind of draw this to a close, a close let me talk to you a little bit about the great apostle Paul. Uh, perhaps, well, you know, I need to modify that because his whole letter is remarkable. But what I want to reference would be chapters 7 and 8. Chapter 7, he describes something that many of us identify with. He says, you know, in me there's a desire to do that which is good and right. And I make up my mind to do it, but there's another law working in me, that when I want to do the right thing, it just thwarts me. And I find myself doing the very thing that ah, I didn't want to do. And he's really describing somebody struggling under the Ten Commandments, the laws and legislations of God. And he being a Pharisee, a man schooled in the law, knew the law probably better than most. And he says, I'm, I'm a dismal failure. And he says this, oh, who will deliver me from the body of this bondage? Now, he's not talking about his flesh and bone body. He's talking about that fallen nature that's inside of him, that when he wants to do the right thing, the wrong thing seems to be the net result. And then he cries out with a very strong voice. And unfortunately, as the Bible is translated into our languages, uh, we put numbers and chapters in there. And we lose the train of thought. He cries out, who will deliver me from the body of this bondage? Oh, thank God, he will through Jesus Christ. For there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. For the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And what I want to tell you is you are empowered by God's Spirit. If you are a Christ follower and a believer in Him, His Spirit lives in you. You have all the authority and power to say no to sin and yes to righteousness because it's God's Spirit that lives within you. And so I exhort you today that that can only be possible in your life when you surrender to Jesus Christ and his lordship, for he is the commander-in-chief. Blessings on you.